This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi, man. So we're doing uh, third one this week. I think three a week is probably good given that things are moving really fast. I've heard that maybe the stock market might close next week or... Somewhere around then, rumor that I saw on Twitter that things are really getting. Uh, it means that you, <laughs> the door to get out is really small, right? Like, say so you have a bunch of stock and you're like, uh oh, this is for real. I want to sell it. If the market's not open, you can't sell. You just, you're just going to be at the mercy of that company laying off its employees, begging for a bailout. And we'll talk about the bailouts also and what's going to happen there. But, um, you know, so obviously if markets are open, carnage can happen. But if markets are closed, that means, you know, you just can't liquefy your holdings. They're, they're not, they're totally illiquid. And most people who buy stocks, if you have Apple stock, you're like, yeah, well, I have Apple stock. I can always sell it. You know, it might, it might go up, it might go down, but it's not going to go to zero. So I can always sell my Apple stock, pay for something. The market's not open. Uh, that assumption uh, would be incorrect. You you cannot sell it to pay for something, and that's going to have its own disastrous consequence because you were counting on stocks being pretty liquid. So, so would that mean you'd be one hundred percent out? You're saying I'm not. Uh, no, you wouldn't be out. I mean, Apple will still sell products, but no, no. I'm saying right now, like m- Monday morning, would you be selling as much as possible of your stock of your own stock? Well, I'm pretty much out already. I just have, I understand like, that. I, I know, but I'm, with this information now, is what you're no, saying. I'm I'm going to hold the very meager, meager amount that I have left because okay. I I'm so cash heavy. But I've got other problems. Let's say now. you hadn't sold any, then what would you do Monday morning? I don't even want to think about it, and I can't advise people. I can't. It just I don't. I don't know. It would be. I'd be very stressed about it. Okay. I mean, I, I'm already stressed about it, and I'm in a better position because I have a money market. Because when you have a like a 401k and you have like Vanguard, which is what we have, it's not like you just go to cash. They put you in a money market, which is like a cat. It's like they hold paper, uh, tre- not treasuries, but certain kind. Of, I don't know what they hold, but it's not exactly cash, and that stuff is vulnerable. Also, I'm worried about that too. And I wish it could just be cash, but that's not an option. So I was thinking, like, do I just like withdraw my four hundred one k? Take not only do you pay taxes on it, but then you take a ten percent penalty if you, you're not fifty nine and a half. But the alternative is to leave it in their garbage products that are not designed for a wartime footing. They're designed for a peacetime footing. Oh, do you want to have the bond fund or the aggressive stock fund or the conservative stock fund or the 
you know, material and minerals fund. It's like, no, I don't want any of that shit. I just want some cash. And even then that's going to be dangerous pretty soon because the cash is going to get inflated. Right now it's getting deflated and the cash is king, but it's not going to be king when they, if they print out all this money, like they're planning to. So many good options. It sounds like every option's a a good one. Yeah. I mean, for now I would just personally, again, like I'm not a financial professional. So for myself, it's just, you know, Bitcoin and cash. And then when the cash gets inflated, I shouldn't have said for myself. I hate that. People in emails like myself, for myself, no, for me, it's me. Myself is incorrect. For me, cash for now. And then when they start printing the money, um, I got to figure out how to get rid of that stuff. But I can't, you can't just buy all Bitcoin. It's just, it's too volatile and, you know, you can't be 100% in Bitcoin. You know, you know it's, 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 I mean, you could be, but it would be a real, only a real man would, could be 100% in Bitcoin, basically. Yeah, I ran into a couple, couple obstacles there buying it myself with cash apps, uh, uh, just whatever, weekly limits and whatnot. And uh, went down a rabbit hole uh, learning about this. And it's probably rudimentary to, to people that follow this. But uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming halving? The halving. Okay, so basically, the way that works is every four years, the miner reward, so just to back up about Bitcoin, is basically like Bitcoin, there's only 21 million of them ever going to be in existence. They cannot print more the way the treasury is printing money out of control right now. And so that's very comforting if you have some, because they can't dilute you, basically, right? They can't dilute you. And the way Bitcoin gets, new Bitcoin comes online is... They're, the miners are the guys who um, they basically verify the transactions on the blockchain. The blockchain is like this spreadsheet in the sky, but what's different about it is it's copied on like tens of thousands of different computers. Uh, those are all called full nodes. You could run a full node. Of probably you buy a $250 Raspberry Pi computer and download the software for free. I think you could run a full node. Uh, and then you would basically have all of the transactions on the blockchain forever. And it's a little bit complicated, the math. There's some, uh, there's some good books. One's called Inventing Bitcoin explains it pretty well, and I can't do it justice. But the point is the miners are guys who they certify the activity on the blockchain, and they do it by guessing a random number that is lower than X amount of digits, you know, lower than a trillion or lower than a billion, depending on the difficulty, which is a whole other thing I don't want to get into. Um, and they just need a lot of processing power because they're basically just brute force guessing a million guesses a second with their, you know, their very powerful computers or very powerful uh, mining computers, and when they when they're the one that gets the number, then they are the one that certifies that next block. Everyone, all the nodes, all the people who are recording the blocks, verify that it's accurate. There's a way to check that it's accurate without knowing in advance that it would have been the accurate one. Otherwise, everybody would mine. And once they certify that it's accurate, the miner gets a reward in Bitcoin. So not all the 21 million have been issued yet. And so the way it goes down to 21 million is maybe 17 million have been issued yet or whatever the number is. And every four years, the reward, that's how new Bitcoin comes online, is rewarding the miners for certifying the block. And every four years, the amount to get rewarded gets cut in half. So I believe it was like 12 or 12 and a half or something Bitcoin, you know, in 2016, and now it'll be six and a quarter or whatever the number is. I'm not totally up on the exact numbers. But the thing is, if you think about how much, I mean, there's a block every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes, another six and a half Bitcoin are being awarded, I think. I think that's the, the rate at which it is to a miner who's certifying that block, or 12 now, right now. And if you think about what, it, you know, the price is like 6000 so that's $72,000 
every 10 minutes worth is being mined. And so the miners are paying for electricity to do their work. And so when they get their Bitcoin, they have to sell it on the market and, uh, you know, pay for their costs and then keep the profits. That's why they do it. So every 10 minutes, there's like, you know, a constant stream of 12 Bitcoin right now being sold. Sell, there's 12, there's 70 grand worth or whatever being sold into the market every 10 minutes. It's my understanding at least. And as of May, that number is going to be half of that. There's going, instead of 12 Bitcoin being sold at all times, it's going to be six at 10 minutes. Now there's other buyers and sellers in the market, obviously, but that's a lot. You know, that's a lot of Bitcoin every 10 minutes being sold. And so when the supply, the, the sellers, you know, supply of Bitcoin is, is going to get reduced. There's, there's only going to be six. Then um, there's less for sale. There's less for sale. There's less inflation of Bitcoin. There's less downward pressure. And if you look at a price, just think about ADP in fantasy, right? Like a guy's ADP is the equilibrium point between the people who think he's overpriced and the people who think he's underpriced. Does that make sense? Yeah. Perfect. If a guy's 35th, it means some people are like, he's only 35th. He should be like 25th. And there's people like, he's 35th. He should be 45th. And they all argue and the, the sort of collective forces kind of put him in wherever his equilibrium is until there's more news and the equilibrium moves. But at any given moment in time, there's an ADP. It's sort of the two forces. And it's the same thing with prices for stocks or anything, right? The price in an auction for a player, it's, the, you know, it's a little different because there's no sellers. But point is, the price, at an, you know, the price of a stock, it's like the sellers and the buyers and what that rate is, right? If I'm offering, if, if I'm willing to sell you Apple stock at 200 and you're only willing to buy at 190 there's not going to be a sale, but maybe you offer 195 and I put a, a sell at anything above 195, I'll sell, boom, 195 is the price. It's the, it's the forces that um, are offsetting each other to, to get the equilibrium. Well, that's going to be the price of Bitcoin too. All the buyers, what they're willing to pay for it and all the sellers, what they're willing to sell it for. Well, imagine if you just take out a huge portion of the selling because you, you just eliminate six Bitcoin every 10 minutes, I believe. I could be wrong about these numbers, but I think there's a new yeah, block. No, no, it's 12.5 coins per block will decrease to 6.25 coins. Right, okay, so that was correct. So every 10 minutes, there's, there's somebody selling you coins. Not just the regular buying and selling, there's the, the miners are dumping those coins onto the market, which is driving the price down. But they're going to be dumping only half as many coins on the market. That is a big difference. If there's less selling, the price goes up. If there's more buying relative to selling, the price goes up. If there's more selling, the price goes down. That's just how, that's the push. That's where, you know, the equilibrium point's going to be where they meet. There's going to be less downward pressure because of the halvening. So that's, you know, that's the idea. Right. And uh, I believe that's estimated in like 51 days or so. May. And and, sometime in and, May. And I've read basically conflicting things. And obviously it's not so simple as what happened in the past, but the last couple of times has resulted in a surge right afterward, right? Uh, yeah. It might be a delay of a few months. It may not be the second right afterwards, but you know, within the, the months following uh, it, it tends to spike, you know, and, the, and then there's like a bull market after that. And the other crazy thing, and again, I don't want to, this is do your own research. Custody is a huge issue, stressful, figuring all that stuff out. Yeah, there's no guarantee. There's no it's, government backing it up or anything. You know, this is just, you know, this is just is what it is. So you know, custody seems like the biggest obstacle to me. Personally. Okay. Well, I, I would actually agree with that. And we, we can get into that a little bit. I don't want to make this whole thing about Bitcoin, but, but anyway, so, you know, so do your own research, but not only is 
the happening coming, but everyone I've followed on you know Bitcoin Twitter or whatever has been saying what's going to happen and what happens with every government that goes off gold and starts printing money is they print themselves into inflation throughout history. You know, you go through every Roman times, every time the government or the king has the power to just buy fiat, they call it fiat currency, just issue currency because he says so, they, politically you end up spending yourself into oblivion and that currency collapses. And it happens, we see it in Venezuela or Zimbabwe, we say, oh, it could never happen in the US. So these guys are like, there's going to be another crisis First of all, it was created as a result of the 2008 financial crisis. So like, they were like, this is screwed up. They printed all this money. They said, there's going to be another crisis at some point. They're going to print themselves into oblivion. There's going to be inflation. They're not going to be able to control it. And they're going to need a new money that's not inflatable, a harder currency, basically. That's what they've been saying. And now, way faster than they're predicting, this shit's actually happening, at least the first part of it. The crisis has happened. The, the money is not uh, reinflating the markets. So they're going to throw, what, $4 trillion into it. And this is, you know, this is, the, this is the prediction. So we'll see what happens. I mean, again, it's a complex situation. I don't want to say I know for sure, because if I did, then I would just be all in Bitcoin. Mm. But um, it's almost like, like, you know, don't, you know, and, and also the timeline is unclear. So you could, buy all your, you could buy a ton of Bitcoin being, this is the shit, this is going to happen, but then it's six months later than you think, and then you need something to pay your bills, and you have to sell it at a loss. So don't use money that you need in the short term. It's just too dangerous because the timing is hard. Only stuff that you can afford, and also go down your own rabbit hole. Like, don't, you know, I'm not, you know, I can be wrong about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, No, I have gone down my own, and um, a guy, Haralabob, who I love, uh, has been in Bitcoin as much as you, as far as I can tell, doesn't necessarily think that this is the event that's going to, you know, be the thing that pushes it uh, forward. But um, I'm interested in it for sure. And I was very curious in this having thing. Uh, so nice explanation there. And is this a nice segue for you to your, your tweet that you made regarding, you know, that government and printing money? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but some people just are like, look, we need to print money for the people. And I agree if they're going to print and they are, fuck those corporations. Like, honestly, like, Boeing, they crashed a plane that killed people, and then they bought back their stock. Like, no, absolutely not. Let them go bankrupt. Let some other people buy it and restart the company responsibly. Uh, there's plenty of assets still with the planes and the engineers and the know-how. You know, just let that they let let all of the shareholders and the, and the equity holders just get wrecked because that's what uh, capitalism was supposed to be about, right? You invest, you get rewarded by providing capital, but you take risk, and there's risk. So. Um, I think it's ridiculous, but to the extent they're going to start spending money, trillions of dollars, then you know, give it to the people. But then it's kind of like a lot of people are like, "Yeah, just bail out the people." UBI, you know, universal basic income. Andrew Yang, it's great. So, well, who's going to pay for it? Well, the government will. Well, what do you mean? This is like modern monetary theory. The Stephanie Kelton woman, who I think is crazy, she's like, "It's the government's issuing the money. Who cares about deficits? It's what does it matter? You're the one issuing the dollars." Okay, so just pay it. So, but then you think, well, if the government is can just issue infinite money, why do we pay taxes? Why do they need our tax money? And then you think, actually, why do we even bother to work? You know, why don't we all just get a UBI of like half a mil? We're all good. Why, why, you know, we don't need any work, taxes. It's all ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just going to stay home and I'm just going to relax. I'm going to order in some food, call up, order in a pizza with my printed money. So I make the call. And the pizza guy's like, yeah, sorry, dude, I'm not delivering anymore because I got this UBI. I don't need to make pizzas or deliver pizzas. In fact, I'm going to order a pizza myself. 
and so he calls someone else, but that dude's not making the pizza either because he doesn't need to make pizza because he has no money. You see the money, that's not what money is. It's not just this thing you have that you can use because if nobody, <laughs> you understand the problem. Like you need to be able to spend the money on the pizza and the guy to bring it to you. And if everybody has it, then nobody's going to bring you the pizza. So wait a second, money's not like that. It doesn't work like that. So this is the problem with unlimited spending. It sounds great, right? Like print for everybody, right? Why should there be poor people? I mean, there shouldn't be. Everybody should be fine. But then, okay, like that's the thing. If you're not providing a service or a good, then there are no services or goods. I mean, maybe we'll get to the point where we could like solar-powered robots farm everything, build everything, bake everything, deliver everything. Maybe we'll get to a point like that where it's like a perpetual motion machine and, and maybe that you know time will be there. But... Until that happens, like, without money, which is sort of a language, which the money's the language that says, here's something I value. I value pizza brought to my house. So your money communicates the language to that person, the money that you earned. And someone said, well, here's something I value, your podcast or your uh, running back rankings or whatever the, you know, whatever you're doing that people purportedly value. I value this. So I'll, you know, pay Yahoo or RotoWire or whatever, and then you get a salary and then you have money and then you value the pizza and then you order, you know, it's a language. It's like saying, Hey, I value this. So if you do this, I'll give you this. And then you'll have this yeah, thing. way of buying someone's time, essentially a kind of time, effort, expertise, skills, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're saying, uh, it's, 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 a, it's very important. Like that signal is very important. Right. And if the government prints money or money's not earned, it becomes, um, the signal gets lost. So you start to have like, um, it starts to, it becomes noisy. What you actually want isn't brought to you. Someone brings you uh, a soy vegan tofu thing that you didn't want. And you're like, I don't want this. They're like, sorry, it's free. And it's the thing the government is providing today. And you're like, I know, but I don't want that. It's like, no, because there's no signal. You know, you're only going to order the food you want. So someone's only going to make the food that people actually want. So you see what I mean? Like you're not going to, there's not going to be products and food and things and services that you want. If the signal isn't, is this the path we're going? Well, that's, that's what happens, right? Like is, is if you're just getting money, just regardless of what you're doing, yeah, you start to go down a path where there's no sort of market generating actual good information to um, help organize human affairs. It's just sort of the centralized planning thing, you know, where the government says, well, you know, we think we need this. We think we need that. And the government is less intelligent than tens of millions of individuals making their preferences known through their expenditures. There's like so much intelligence with individuals, you know, just doing whatever they want to do collectively, you know, creating the, um, the information, sending the information to the various places that take that information and turn it into products and services that people actually want. So, you know, there's also things like monopolies interrupt that too. You know, it's like, you have no choice, so you can't really... There's other... You can go deeper down that, but... So anyway, you can't just print money is, is the point. Like, you can't... It's You could maybe print in an emergency if you were to somehow undo that, but they already did that in 2008, and I don't... I just don't see how they're going to fix it. And I, I've uh, put in my Twitter feed some good threads of how there's... The debt is so huge now, and the debt they're going to incur is so huge that they cannot reinflate this bubble. The, the amount they've borrowed from the future is more than the amount that they could ever pay back at this point. So it, it gets to the point where it's like the, the bubble can't reinflate. It's just printing paper and putting it in people's hands. 
and eventually the, the prices of everything just go up. The paper doesn't change that. The amount of paper in everyone's hands doesn't change, you know, the, the yeah, it's a, it's a horrific looking future. I, I, I mean, it's which rabbit hole do you want to go down this hour? Um, the depressing financial one or the health one? Well, let's skip the health one because I think like there's a lot of health stuff out there and I don't want to speculate anymore. I I feel like our old podcast, we want to listen to the last couple. We talk about it. Um, what you can do, vitamins, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't even know for me, low cost interventions like vitamin C that have no side of not no serious side effects are good. I would try like vitamin D3 and vitamin C, but I don't want to get into that whole thing because we, we did that. We covered that. I, I more wanted to cover sort of, you know, what's next and like how the economy's looking and then uh, maybe a little bit of uh, League of Leagues and then also Jeff and my all-time baseball draft will probably do an NFL one. But you and I can strategize, help me strategize about that one uh, for this week on the XM show. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And I apologize for saying lockdown last week. I meant shelter in place apparently, but, um, that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's enough of the, I mean, it's, that's, that let's move on, uh, for sure. Um, that's, that's good with me. And especially since I have to bring up, what are your thoughts on, on your person, Tulsi backing Biden, whom by the way, has somewhat disappeared over like nine, 10 days now. Real man doesn't deal with this bullshit, right? Real man's not, I'm, I'm doing my own thing, man. I'm chilling out. No, I have no idea. Obviously, this is a disaster. Like you know, we typed this last last podcast, but Trump has a huge test. Are you going to give this away to all the corporations? Like it looks like they will. Or are you going to stand up for the people? Because you got a choice. You're going to blow this money anyway. But which way are you going to blow it? And I think if Trump gave it to the people, he's going to win in a landslide beyond a landslide. If he gives it away to the Boeing's and the airline execs, first of all, giving the money to the airline execs, why are you giving it to them? It's not like people are going to book seats in the next five months. You're just going to hand them money for doing no services? I, I don't understand that. And if, you, if you're saying, well, they, have to, you know, they don't want to lay off their employees, just pay the employees directly. And don't pay Boeing. You know, just, just have people be able to claim their, their salary. Don't pay the executives. But this just seems like so unimportant, the election right now. Like Biden, yeah. come on, what's yeah. he going to do? Trump, we'll see. He, he's the guy in charge, and he's got to deliver big for the people. And he can. I mean, they're going to hand him all the power if he does it. But if he does the nutless thing, then I think even his base may desert him. I mean, you know, the, uh, the MAGA people did not elect Trump to hand money to Goldman Sachs. Put it that way. That is not why they elected him. They, that was Hillary who was going to do that. They knew she was going to do that. He does that. I don't think, uh, I don't think people are going to stick with him. I mean, some will. Some will just stupidly do it. But I don't think so. so. And, and I hope he's not that dumb. Tulsi endorsing uh, Biden is kind of stupid, but... It's so irrelevant. I mean, I, we get into it, but it just doesn't seem very important right now. One, one last thing in politics I will say I, I agree with you is uh, there was a cool story, uh, whatever word, however, actually, you know, phrase it, but of Tucker Carlson, I guess, reaching out, uh, like finding out when Trump was at Mar-a-Lago and uh, driving a while and going out of his way to like act like he bumped into him and he sat him down for two hours on the side and explained to him that, listen, you, you need to take this coronavirus seriously and someone you love will die from this. And I guess Trump kind of brushed him off at the time, but like a day or two later is when the, the you know, the, the flip, the, the switch flipped and, and, and Trump started taking it seriously. I don't know. I thought it was a cool story of just a, of, of well, Carl. So I guess he's not even seeking out that publicity, but someone found it and just tried to say, I don't know. I, I, he's, I, I like that. He's now like 
one of the most important journalists in America. I mean, imagine right. it's like, always calling out Burr even. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 that, uh, the, the, the woman also, uh, supposedly Ilian Omar. Yeah. That, that trust with that, that fund was in a, a blind trust that had not made a single trade until the day. Oh, oh you mean, oh, no, not Ilian Omar. You mean t- talking about that 500 millionaire Kelly, Congresswoman uh, who sold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. So, so hopefully, you know, those people, uh, get prosecuted for that. Yeah. Uh, but secondly, do you see the Ilian Omar tweet when Trump said he was going to put a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions? And Ilian Omar, who Trump has like eviscerated on Twitter, they've, they've been vicious to each other, said, politics aside, this is great leadership and we'll see more of this. They could, the Democratic Party was able to stop Bernie, it looks like, but they might not be able to stop his policies. So Ilian Omar, who's like left-wing Muslim congresswoman, is retweeting something that Trump did and praising it. And I hope that he is smart enough to see that that is the way to go. And his right. corporate cronies are, you know, he calls like that corporate media the enemy of the people. Well, your corporate cronies are also the enemy of the people. So, you know, I, it's good that Tucker Carlson, uh, apparently Trump listens to him or, you know, watches his show because he had Glenn Greenwald on when he was being uh, unjustly prosecuted, persecuted in uh, Brazil for reporting on Bolsonaro and he's had Tulsi on and he's had, I think he's had Tulsi on and he, he just seems like he's trying to get the truth out. Whatever his history is, I don't want to, you know, people think, Oh, he's a, a right wing or whatever. I don't care. I don't care about labels. I just yeah. know the dude's doing yeah. real work. Totally. No, so, that's I agreed. Thousand percent. Yeah. I don't care about what you want to label him. I, I think that guy's a real journalist and he's like indispensable. He's a very important person right now. And I, if he convinced Trump, that's great to uh, stop blowing the shit off. The other thing that uh, I saw is a New York Times thing that when Trump first shut down, the first thing Trump did in February, he was calling it the flu, but he shut down travel to China. And there were a million like New York Times and other pieces saying, this is counterproductive. The World World Health Organization says it's not necessary. So they were shitting on him for that. And then he was slow. I mean, he deserves blame for that. But like, it's so so hypocritical. They were like criticizing him for shutting down travel to China, saying this is going to stir up problems with the trade war. Uh, and so they were thinking about the economics too. And uh, the World Health Organization, like Taiwan, apparently tried to warn them in December. Uh, yeah, that, and, and they blew like it off. Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think the band, The Who, uh, has been more instrumental in warning people than the World. I mean, fact, the World Health Organization is honestly, it's a scourge. And so is the CDC. Their, their test kits didn't work. And then the FDA, they just can't, they're, they're waiting for them to approve this stuff. I mean, these institutions are just bankrupt. They're failed. And I wanted to say to people, like, yeah, maybe this bailout's coming. Hopefully, most of it will be for people and not corporations. I'm not that confident about it, but I'm still hoping that they do the right thing. Um, but, I, but I would say do not count on the government helping you at all. Do not count on it. If, be surprised to the upside if it happens. But you should be taking care of your health not being like, oh, screw it, I'm stuck here. I'll eat a bunch of Lucky Charms and Doritos and hopefully not get sick. No, stop eating shit, eat healthy. Even if you, know, you can only do five push-ups, do five push-ups. I mean, just take care of your health. Take care of yourself. Try to take care of your finances as best as you can. Do not trust the people on Wall Street or the people in the media to say, oh, yeah, don't worry. The stock market will just bounce back. It'll be fine. You know, A week ago, uh, Steve uh, Mnuchin is saying there won't even be a recession. Don't worry. Now he's saying, uh, now they're saying maybe 40% unemployment in, in Q3, 40%. So, I mean, dude, 
do not listen to the institutions. You, you have to uh, cultivate like good sources. You've got to do your best. It's very hard. There's lots of, I, I'm having trouble finding good information about the actual virus. I'm very confused, like what's really going on. And I'm just trying to take care of my health, my mental health, my financial health, and not counting on shit. I'm not counting on anybody to fix this. I'm like, what do I need to do in case they totally fuck me? And if they don't, I'm going to be like, great. I, I'm surprised that they did that good of a job, or I'm surprised they cared even that much. That's my attitude. And I, I don't think you should be cavalier about this. I think you should be extremely self-preservatory and take care of the people that you care about. There's a popular Reddit thread of a RN uh, talking about how he firsthand witnessed uh, a male otherwise fairly healthy but a little overweight in his 40s, and he saw some of the ramifications of the virus, and he's like really changed his diet. So, um, yeah, eat healthy and, and, all, and exercise and all that stuff. But, you know, also uh, I thought of you this week that news was the super volcano has been bubbling extra. Reading more into it, it doesn't suggest that it's any more likely to – to uh, you know, erupt, but um, that would be great uh, timing. The, the world, yeah, pretty much. Um, talking about other ramifications, man. The number I keep—I've heard this multiple times, different, I don't know, same source, but I hear that they're expecting seventy-five percent, an estimated of the restaurants that close not to return. I mean, yeah. that is just—I I mean, mean, that's here's the pretty problem. devastating if that seventy-five percent of the restaurants don't return. I mean, it's not wow. just, yeah, that's huge. First of all, they they operate on low margins in even right. good times. Yes. Second of all, a lot of these businesses, and knock on wood, you know, nobody's exempt, but RotoWire, we don't have, you know, we don't borrow a lot of money. We didn't do this, but a lot of businesses levered up because money was cheap. You know, you're borrowing at a few percent, it's cheap. And they did it because their competitors are doing it and you need more cash to, you know, to compete. And so you have all these levered up businesses where the money's artificially cheap. When that money goes down, when you start running out of money, your customers or the stock price crashes, most of these are just irreparable. I mean, and these are small businesses. You know, it's the big ones with lobbyists that are, you know, begging for a bailout. These small businesses that are, you know, basically the backbone of the country are, a lot of those are levered up also. So, I mean, it's, I don't know what's going to recover. We're going to be in a different place. People are going to be, I don't know about you know, colleges and fancy private schools. First of all, no one is, is going to have as much money. Second of all, people are going to realize homeschooling works. Uh, there's going to be a yeah. whole different. Uh, <laughs> tell, yeah. Well, tell that to the why. Yeah. Well, no, Definitely I mean, you, gotta, I mean yeah, you need kid storage. Maybe, you know, you need a, a nanny for a couple hours a day, but you know, you're paying God knows how much for your private school. I mean, it may, uh, there may be a big permanent drop off. There's going to be new habits formed. For sure. And so, um, you know, some people are going to lose weight because they're going to eat their own meals and not be eating the seed oils that are in restaurants. I mean, some people are going to be like, Oh, I I don't need, I can, I learned to cook. I'll eat at home more. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to change. This is just every day. You're like, Holy shit. First, like, Oh yeah. Baseball. Yeah. There's a 25% chance of it's delayed. Oh wait, who knows if we'll have a season. Uh Then it's like the stock market. Is that going to close? I mean, there's all sorts of shit. Yeah, no, for sure. So many effects. You know, but I mean, the gas prices are now just bottoming out because no one's driving. I mean, obviously the environment, as we talked about. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the, the pictures of Venice. If you didn't, check them out. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy how clear the water is there in Italy. Um, uh, what else? Uh, the, so, so the other thing is, I read this. I, I listened to this podcast. It was done March 13th, which is like a year ago in terms of events. But this is already. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, can see the writing on the wall. This guy Preston Pish, maybe his name is, and he was being interviewed, 
And uh, um, it was like a chain code podcast, I guess. Anyway, he was saying, and you know, he's a big Bitcoin guy. He was saying that like, you know, first the stocks crash, but he's like, what's going to happen is that, you know, they lower the interest rates to zero, which they have. And then uh, the, they're printing all this money. And then everybody with these like 0% bonds who've been buying because they think they're going to go negative, you know, bonds go up when the rates go down, the value goes up. If you're sitting at 0% and they print all this money and inflation, which is already 2%, goes to 3 4 you know, it starts to creep up, you're in a world of hurt holding these 0% bonds. I mean, you have a 0% bond for 10 years that you're, you're, holding, you're borrowing money, at z- you're lending money at 0% and inflation's coming. So you know you're, you're taking a huge haircut. You're not getting your money back. You're getting way less in 10 years. So people are going to dump those things. And then the bond market's going to crash, in his opinion. And then people are going to try to run to cash only to realize the cash is the thing that's inflated that's the thing that crashed the bond market in the first place. And that's when he thinks there's going to be a hype, what he calls hyper-Bitcoinization. The other thing, and I think this is also in play, is that the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. Basically, all sorts of things need to be cleared in dollars. Bank settlements and oil purchases and all these things. So the dollar is like this beast that everybody needs. So it's artificially in demand because of this. Like Other countries always need to buy a lot of dollars, and that pushes the value of the dollar up. And countries who are, you know, are at least rivals, perhaps enemies, like China and Russia, they do not obviously like that. Even like you know, some European countries do not like that they have to suck up to the dollar. It's a real pain in the ass, and it puts them at a disadvantage. If one of those countries decides, you know what, the dollar's teetering, we're going to spend a billion dollars on Bitcoin or $20 billion on Bitcoin to push it over the edge. The price of Bitcoin is going to go to the sky and everyone's going to be rushing. It'll be like a huge game theory rush from all these central banks to buy it. Because you know, as soon as they start getting in large, the price is going to go from you know, 6000 to 100000 or a million. It's going to go fast because it's, it's going to be so, much, so many buyers, no sellers. And so if that ever happens it's going to ramp up like nobody could ever believe. Like a, It's going to be a, a run-up like nobody's business. Now, I don't know that that will happen, but if you're one of those foreign countries and you want to dethrone the dollar, that is an obvious way to do it. And, uh, or even just like, you know, I don't know what's happening with our currency, but if I buy a billion dollars worth of this, it'll be a hedge. So it's not, like, it's not like I'm thinking about this stuff or you're thinking about this stuff and the central banks of these major countries, some of them are just idiots and they're just in the old, they're buying a lot of gold. They're already buying a lot of gold. Like Russia's already buying a ton of gold. But like what nobody's thinking about buying Bitcoin, they've got to be thinking about it. And as soon as that happens, you don't want to be the last in. You want to be the first in, right? Because the first in, everybody else rushing in drives up the value of your holding. If you're the last in, you can't even get in. It's $10 million of Bitcoin. How many can you buy, right? If it's, if it's, if it's 6,000, you could buy you know, a few billion dollars. I mean, you're going to jack it up as you're buying it, but you want to be the first in, right? So there's that whole thing. So this is just an insane time. And for me, it's, it's like, A, take care of your health. Obviously, there's a disease out there. Take, you know, don't eat sugar. I'm fasting you know, 16, 20 hours a day, every day. Get some exercise. Get some sun. Um, take care of your mental health. Two, um, take care of your finances. Like, keep an eye out for the shit. Be very careful with all this stuff. Again, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't think the financial advisors are doing a good job. Just read, investigate, do your best. Uh, and and three, like, I just hope there's not like you know major violence and unrest when finally people lose faith in the in all of the institutions that we've taken for granted. I mean, the police have to be paid. 
you know, and also the, the opposite where there's a police state, you know, where they say, you know, you, you, this is too dangerous. The dollar's collapsed. Stay in your homes or, you know, we're, we're locking this down. Nobody can do this. I mean, this is, I just hope this is like a, it's going to be ugly, but I hope the ugliness is minimized and, you know, whatever we transition to is, um, you know, better, but it, it, I feel pretty confident that whatever happens, but I'm not saying what I just said is going to happen exactly that way, but I feel like we are never going back to February 2020. I don't think we're ever going back there ever. I don't think they're going to reinflate the bubble. I do share that concern about what's going to happen next too. Just like I don't eat with, uh, with, with everything, all, all, the, all the consequences. Um, at least marijuana sales were up 160% last week as they were ruled an essential business here in California. Uh, yeah, for sure. So um, that that was nice. Um, have some health questions for you. I'll just save them till uh, till off the air afterward for you with them. Um, Want to talk a little quickly? League of Leagues, just a distraction. Sure, let's talk some League of Leagues. Dominant draft. You made one bad pick. One really bad. Two bad picks. One was one was uh, Miles Sanders in the fifth round. Like he's a perfectly good back. Uh, the Eagles' offense is smart. Uh, but this is a non-PPR league. They always bring in like a second. PPR, half PPR. Oh, we oh, it oh, half okay. PPR. Well, that helps a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But still, fifth round in a three-sport league. I mean, he's like fifth round. He's like fourth round in a football league. Okay, so may, you might be right about that in the sense I could have got him later. So that just means you're right no matter what. But uh, and and they might bring someone in too. But without totally. Jordan Howard, I like him a lot though. And the and, and a running back impacts your your sport more than any other position by far. No basketball. Um, definitely a gamble no no no. running back impacts you more than a basketball a star running back like McCaffrey literally like 80 McCaffrey McCaffrey well that's like saying McCaffrey versus Harden yeah right okay yeah okay um I still think a running back still running back because they're more rare but but yes but we already had Barkley and someone else at that point didn't we yes our our team is just ridiculous we'll get it that's that's a fair criticism that pick but horrible four 14 team league, three sports, half point PPR. Um, Andy Barron's uh, joined the league. Uh, Horrible team, a, Andy Barron's. Yeah, Horrible. It was fun all day Saturday sitting there. Uh, I put the Tiger Doc in the background, the new Netflix one that's just absolutely batshit crazy. I recommend everyone. Um, anyway, so the first, just real quickly, I'm going to oh, Sorry, quick. sorry. Remind me, I've got a good movie recommendation for you, but just remind okay. me to, rem- to tell you that at the end. Okay, nice. Looking for those these days. I'm sure everyone is. Um, so the first seven picks were basketball players so they impact they're the safe and more of course safe than than football and they impact you more than a baseball player can you know because there's just fewer starting positions sure. so makes sense so we had the eighth pick and i would have been totally happy to take uh mccaffrey but he went seventh right before so that was kind of frustrating but i still went with your guy saquon barkley which i assume you're okay with right? like of right course of course Adley Beal went. you know what i mean like no, of course high. of course saquon's a great pick Consider Trout because um, it's an on-base percentage league, but, you know, so went, went Barkley. Trout would, Brown, be, it would be good. But I think the, the Trout is more of a sure thing in an on-base percentage league than Barkley is because, you know, he's a running back. But I just think new, new coach, something was wrong with Shermer. He just didn't have the team. I thought he was going to be good, but it wasn't right. The running game wasn't right. I think that ankle too, right? I mean, that was a legit spring. Yeah, no, no, he hurt himself. But I'm saying, like, there's something with Shermer that just – he wasn't using him in the passing game. He wasn't, there's something not on all cylinders. So I think it'll be better this year. Yeah. So we're not punting basketball this year, just for many reasons. I plan on just, I think I can get these guys in the other sports. So I went Kawhi in the second. Now here's one I would bring up round three. 
uh, went Devonte Adams and, and, and was debating between Julio Jones. Um, but I figured just to stay on brand with you and just the touchdowns matter. I mean, even Julio, although Austin Hooper gone coin flip for me, but because, you know, obviously you're associated with Devonte, I had to went, I had to go there, but what are your thoughts between those two? So in full PPR, I have Jones fifth and Adams sixth on my ranking so far. And I'm sure in half I moved Adams ahead. I'm sure he's ahead of him because of the touchdown. So I'm with that. I mean, I'm not a, I don't, it's like so funny. I was like, he's not an elite real life receiver, real life. But like I took him in the first round this year and he didn't have a good year because he was hurt, but he was still fine. And yeah, it's fantasy. I don't care. It's good. Fine. So I was actually down on him in fantasy, even entering last year. I thought everything was just so perfect. He had never even had a thousand yards other than one time in his career. But after watching last year, it's just so clear that Aaron Rodgers loves him. And he was playing with that high ankle sprain well, and touchdowns do at some point. You just got to get so, from damn touchdowns. So that, I have him number two. So um, he, if you prorate him to 16 games last year, he had 169 targets, which would be second only to Michael Thomas. He would have had 111 catches, 1,329 yards, only seven touchdowns. But he scored, uh, including the playoffs, he scored seven touchdowns in his last eight games. So once he got healthy, if you include the playoffs, his touchdown pace was normal. He just didn't score early in the year and then got hurt. So he was sort of fluky non-scoring early, then got hurt, and then he was himself. I mean, he doesn't, you know, per play, he's not that good. He's not fast. But fantasy wise, he's fine. And meanwhile, what did Julio have? Like four touchdowns or something? I mean, he had, he had, so he had like seven, but he had them early and then he didn't score for like the last. Um, yeah. Let me look at what I wrote about Julio. Six, I bet. Yeah. yeah, he had. Uh, yeah, he, he, we thought he solved his touchdown thing because in the second half of 2018, he scored eight. And in the first three games of 2019, he scored four. But then uh, he only had two more all year. And it was in one game, so against the Niners. So from weeks four through 17, Julio Jones scored two touchdowns in the same game. That's pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, give me Devontae Adams there. All right, round four, this is a, obviously my guy, Kenyon Drake. Uh, this one you're okay with, though, other than Miles Sanders, even though one could argue they're kind of similar, but I guess you're just nah. more. Drake will be a second-round pick. He'll be a second-round okay. pick in the NFBC, yeah. NFFC. May even no, be. not first. If not first. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. He might be late first, but yeah. late first, he'll be like that Dalvin Cook area and of this year, you know, Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon type area. But uh, that's fine because you're getting a second round back, early second, late first in the fourth round of the mixed league. It's just that Miles Sanders will be like a fourth round pick. I mean, we'll see what happens in the draft. Obviously, the Eagles draft a running back or sign somebody, it'll be different, but that was a reach. But there's always right. that's always the worst part. You know, you always reach in those rounds it's it's always like it's not the obvious yet it's not the value so you get stuck in between right. oh it's so a round five you make this is a pick you don't like miles sanders i do like him i just think that eagles offensive line is so so good and now he left her who knows maybe he's not going to be i know the eagles don't like to have a feature back but i mean jordan howard is gone i have him is my rb 11 i thought you had him as like your rb 14 so to me that didn't seem good leonard fournette went in the same round uh it, this one funny uh jd martinez went ahead of him the funny thing is is Right after I made Miles Sanders, Andy Barron's texted me and said, I can't believe you took Miles Sanders over Andrew Wiggins. And uh, he said that as a joke because on our podcast, I go crazy. You know, Wiggins is, is a baller in the Warriors now. And not kidding, Adam Rank and James Coe took Adam uh, on Andrew Wiggins the next pick. Like that, which seemed incredibly high, by the way. But that was just funny. Before Barron's texted me that, then they come up. Of all the sports, they actually took Wiggins next. But Fournette versus Miles Sanders. I have Fournette ahead of him. I, I have Fournette ahead of him. But comfortably? No, no. No, no, like, 
I have four, it's only volume that he's ahead of him. I mean, he's 13 and, and Sanders is 14 in so half PPR. I don't PPR. know how crazy of a pick what that was then is what I'm saying is that that's four yeah, but Sometimes you got to go another sport, you know, sometimes you got to okay. change that. All right. So move forward, Bob, I will skip some uh, Mark Anders in round 11, just because that was good. Yeah. Such, I mean, I just, I, we have such a sick football team, but he, he, this is my number one tight end. Now you could argue top three, whatever, but Kittle, but without Hurst, he gets a, a, a definite, and he was playing hurt too. Like he could, uh, he's my number one tight end. Mitchell Robinson, you had to ask me who that was, which I, I liked. <laughs> it. And the fact he plays for your favorite team. I know, but I'm so out of basketball. And yeah, I know. So. I, um, I, I probably went too high with Sano, but he's my guy. And, and then, I know. And I God, such a reach. Myself. McLaurin, though. I mean, I oh, yeah, yeah. Scary Terry. I love Scary Terry. And then uh, Grandal is, is like, the, I think the bat prediction is the best on base of all catchers. So I thought yeah. that was pretty good to get him. So, to seen. so um, you hated Lorenzo Cain. And I, I just implored you it was difficult to compare these drafts because you're so NFBC based, which I agree with you. But I was able to – was I not able to fill out with the pitchers that you were concerned I was, I was waiting well, for? Well, you, you took Cain over David Price. I would have loved to get David Price. Yeah. Yeah, and I would not have done that in in NFBC, but it's Kane's very helpful and on base. I needed steals, and outfield was really really thin, so it's tough to gauge when you didn't see who was available Garbage and all that. Pick. Got Tanaka, got Dylan Bundy, um, some upside basketball guys, and then late you helped me. So someone was onto our sale thing because it's a keeper, yeah. but I was able to get Severino in round fifty, I believe. So that's that was good. That, you think that's worth what what he'll you'll be ready to, but he won't even be ready to start the next season. That was the problem there. You think? Well, it depends when this season starts. When this season ends, I mean, if the next season starts, yeah, I guess they're not going to like change baseball. Like if they, even if the playoffs go into December and warm weather climates, they're still going to start in April, right? They're not going to they're not going to like permanently make baseball a summer starting sport. Yeah, he might, but if we can put him on IR and keep him in the fiftieth round, he might be worth it. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay. All right. Very final thing. 14 team league. I just want to say our football team is so sick. Saquon Barkley, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Adams, Devontae Parker, Terry McLaurin. Miles Sanders. And then, it, and then it flex Miles Sanders. It tied in Mark Andrews and it defense New England. And at quarterback, I waited so long. I almost got Brady and then, and then he went right before. But then I've actually think I'd rather this guy. I moved him ahead. Your guy, Daniel Jones. I mean, he runs. I mean, I like those weapons. I should have got Slate. I would have got Slayton later, but I was just so loaded in football. But what do you think of Daniel Jones as a fantasy QB? I love it. I have him pretty high. I mean, you know, he could be a bust, but QB bust, who cares? You just drop him. But the upside is big, right? I mean, there's obviously he runs. Obviously, he's got good weapons. We'll see about this new offensive regime, but it seems like he's little Jameis Winston-esque, which is good for fantasy. He takes chances. He makes mistakes, but he takes chances. He will throw the ball down the field. I have him for 3,900 yards and uh, 28 touchdown passes and 344 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. So I have him as the 11th QB. Yeah, I would have liked to see, you'd like to see better YPA, but at some point, I mean, the touchdowns were pretty good for yeah. the, you know, for the rookie and those weapons are really magic. They have an Ingram state healthy and Slayton looks like such the real deal. Tate's still there as the number three, right? Yeah. They got, yeah. Tate's still there for now. We'll yeah. see if they, if he's, if they keep him. Yeah. yeah I mean, Shepard's not that great. There's no one great. Slayton's their best receiver actually, I think already, but oh, there's sure. three options plus Ingram or Caden Smith. If Ingram is a flat tire, like usual and Barkley. So I just think if the offense is competent at all, I know Jason Garrett's a laughing stock, but as an offensive coordinator, he might not be that bad. Like he's terrible as a head coach, but sometimes the nutless guy can be a decent play caller. It's just that he's, you know, it's the down and distance. It's just sort of the, the vibe is way too soft. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's absolutely loaded football team. Uh, fun draft took 10 hours, 13 minutes on Saturday. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, what, uh, The Miz uh, held up a couple times. Uh, Pat Mayo's in it. Uh, Brad Evans is in it. Cousin Sal. Uh, I, I pretty much dominated that draft. I thought though you were uh, no help to you too, just giving me basically talking shit during. Uh, I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was trolling you during our draft and then right. trolling you publicly, saying, "In a difficult time such as this, you better not let us yeah. down." Yeah, for sure. But um, anyway, good times. And uh, shouldn't every pitcher basically uh, get Tommy John or every injured play? Like, why is Aaron Judge avoiding surgery now? Shouldn't every all everyone, if you need surgery, just he doesn't get need it now? It, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. You're going to owe me money because of this. I got him in the you tenth keep round. Telling yourself that. Yeah, you can tell yourself that. So what? Uh, um, what? 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 You said you had something. Uh, not, well, I have a movie uh, to recommend, but I'm going to start. But also a Jeff Erickson thing. Yeah, something yeah. With baseball so too. Jeff and I, you know, so we've been coming up with stuff, you know, to do. We should actually do one with a bunch of people, but. Maybe we'll do like a, a League of Leagues of real life. It would actually be pretty fun. A real life League of Leagues where we, where, where it's like you're, you're not just drafting fantasy, but you get the all-time teams. And we did this for baseball, real life. So did you see the teams that we drafted? It's like, who would you, and, you, and the, here's the thing, though, that people didn't understand. They have to play in 2020. So, you know, you could take Ty Cobb, but it would be like that, you know, five foot eight guy or whatever he was playing in 2020. Right, so who knows if he could even make a major league team right now? He probably could, but it, it's not like a given. Whereas, you know, Barry Bonds, you're pretty sure is going to be good if he was, you know, in his prime today. You know, if we started all over again. So, did you see the teams that we had? No, I missed this. I'm so I, I, I had the first yeah, pick. Yeah. I had the okay. first pick, no, and I, I, I took it. I took Bonds with my first pick because okay. Babe Ruth is better than Bonds. But Babe Ruth, who knows which version of you know how good he would be now? You know, but you know Bonds would be best player in baseball now if he was playing it's not like that different from you know 15 years right, ago no doubt no obviously yeah. so so i took bonds so here's my here's my team bonds in left griffey in center mike trout in right then i got Pujols at first just a two-team all-time league Pujols at first joe morgan at second cal ripken at short i should have taken lindor i just didn't wasn't thinking of it but ripken is short adrian beltre at third my catcher's Johnny Bench. My DH is Babe Ruth. <laughs> my pitchers are Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and Justin Verlander. And my relievers are Rivera and John Smoltz. Jeff's piece of shit team is left field Ricky Henderson, center Willie Mays, right field Mickey Mantle. He's got Lou Gehrig at first, Rogers Hornsby at second, Alex Rodriguez at short, Mike Schmidt at third, Piazza at catcher, Ted Williams is his DH. His relievers are Gossage and Eckersley, and his starters are Clemens, Maddox, Koufax, Seaver, and Steve Carlton. Who wins? I, oh, man. I, uh, I need to visually look at that. I'm searching for it now. I, uh, it's in my timeline. Oh, I, I see. Okay, you did it on. All right. Okay. Wow. Um, well, I mean, I'm partial to Barry Bonds. You know that that guy was 43 years old playing? I mean, do you know what his WRC plus was? And he was 43 years old, list. What was it? 157. I mean, better than 57% of the, uh, that is just wow. He's a uh, what a monster. Anyway, so I'm going to be partial to that one. Yeah. And yeah. Trout. Trout and yeah, him. And Trout Griffey is like my crap outfielder, you know, who won 10 gold gloves in center. You know, so yeah, it's like. That's the, not, yeah. And Bonds was a gold glove left fielder. I've got three gold glovers playing the outfield. You got Smoltzy and Rivera coming out. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty legit. I can use Smoltzy. <laughs> I like DH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Babe Ruth. Johnny Bench is way better defensively than Mike Piazza. Johnny Bench hit 40 something home runs a couple of times in a pitcher's era, not in this, you know, 1990s steroid inflated era. And then look at my pitching staff, Pedro, peak Pedro, peak Randy Johnson, Kershaw. I mean, come on. 
Those guys Bel- are just Beltre was so good defensively too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pools yeah, was a Gold Glover too. Yeah, Maddox would probably his stuff probably would still play because he was just such a so good. But uh, yeah, I like your staff. Oh God, Pedro with the numbers he put up. Um, what he was doing in the AL East too in that park. Yeah, I like. If you had to face Kershaw, Randy Johnson, and Pedro, and then like the the easy guys were Scherzer and Verlander, who we know can pitch in this era, obviously. And you know the thing that the Nationals Park is is second to Coors Field this last decade is the best hitters park. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah like right there. It's, yeah, so like he's underrated for sure. But I should have taken Lindor over Ripken because, come on, Ripken was a great player for twenty plus years. But, uh, but it, you know, I don't know about his range. He didn't make errors, but he didn't have range. Like Lindor is like the best defensive shortstop since maybe Ozzie Smith. And you know, you get you get him, and he can also hit, and it's twenty twenty. So I should have taken him, but it was my br- my brain was probably thinking moving forward. Sorry, the Rangers was, but it's gone. The Rangers was right. the part that Texas. Yeah. My bad. That's gone now. So I'd say the Nationals too. But anyway, yes. No, well done, Joe Morgan, who was what ironically hated Moneyball when he would be valued what much higher by those men. Oh, he right? was like Mr. Moneyball, one, right? Yeah. He yeah. St- he stole bases. He walked. He played defense. He hit for power. He was really good. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, it was a fun uh, exercise. Uh, We're going to uh, do it for football. So I get, just to strategize a bit. I think so. If it's the two, we should do it like we should open it up and do like a 10 man draft, a 10 team draft. But if it's a two team draft, like there's no way I'm taking a QB because, like, what are you going to do? Take Steve Young or Montana? I'll just take Pat Mahomes. You're going to take Pat Mahomes? I'll take Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. You know, it's like QB is like you got to take where it's scarce, right? So I got to take Lawrence Taylor, Aaron, say like Dion, Dion, Aaron Donald. You know, Aaron Donald. I mean, yeah, up the middle, how many are How about Ray Lewis? Ray Lewis? Oh, yeah, Ray Lewis would go so early. Yeah. You know, like guys like that because I think Lawrence Taylor would be my first pick, but I'm not going to bother with the QB. And then, like, uh, you know, Darrell Revis, you know, peak Darrell Revis. Yeah. And like, so those guys. And then, you know, Justin Tucker, I'll take him before a quarterback. Because again, Nomdi during his prime, Nomdi. Yeah, but he had a very short prime. Yeah, yeah, I know he did. Very Revis had a little bit longer. Revis, yeah, I think. I think Revis and Dion would be the gold standard of the like guys that you just could not even complete a pass against. No, but game theory for sure, he'd be like waiting on QB. Yeah, you know. right. And like running is there like back. An extra, is a tight end separate himself? Or well, so what I would do, what I would do with a tight end is, you, I would say you can do it any way you want. I, mean, I hope Jeff doesn't listen to this because it'd be crap. But. uh I would go Kittle and Gronk as my tight ends and go two receivers, two tight ends, one running back, you know, so that you got those guys blocking. You got Kittle and yeah. Gronk blocking oh, and wow, receiving. Oh, best blocker. That'd be unfair. So imagine yeah, that it, actually would be the most unfair real life team would be Gronk and Kittle on the field. You got Gronk and Kittle blocking and then you got Randy Moss and Jerry Rice going out for passes. And then you got like Marshall Falk as a receiver out of the backfield. And you got like Pat Mahomes as your QB behind an all world offensive line. To me, that's the ideal offense. And you still, yeah. you still throw to Kittle or Gronk, no problem. I mean, you, you know, those guys could. No problem. Yeah. yeah. So, or Marshall Falk, you know, so I just think that. Well, they arguably present even bigger mismatch than, than, than Moss and his prime or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, like I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, what I mean by that is just often, I don't know, just the resources guarding the, the line. I mean, the, the tight ends are off. It's often more mis- easier to get a mismatch. But um, I'm not saying it. Yeah, but those deep guys are awfully important too, just because they require so much uh, personnel. But yeah, whereas like Moscow, very early, right? Well, no, Moss I, I, yeah, Moss is my number one. I mean, I I probably make Jerry up. Rice my number two. Okay. But I mean, if he did, if he, oh, really, like really, truly, Ma, uh, Rice over Owens. I mean, 
you know, I, I used to just think it was all just being a beast, being a receiver, you know, like Owens, Calvin, Johnson, Julio. But, you know, of late, the last few years, it's been the Antonio Browns and the Michael, even Michael Thomas, not even fast either. You know, it's yeah. like, it's been these sort of technicians, DeAndre Hopkins, that have made a huge impact. I mean, Antonio Brown was timed at like 4-6 in the combine. He's 5'10", 185. He's got like three of the top 10 all-time receiving seasons. So I, I'm sort of I'm sort of like Jerry Rice didn't put up those numbers by accident. You know, it's like that dude was like probably route running wise as good as anybody. And he was six one, you know, two hundred, and you know, pretty fast. So for sure, you know, I, I don't think it was an accident. So I think Jerry Rice, but you know, Calvin. I mean, Calvin was a little like um, I think he said he smoked weed every night after the game, which I got no problem with. But it's just sort of like. Jerry Rice was like running hills like after the Huntingville game. Hill. I know exactly the hill he's talking about, right? Right by Candlestick, which was jarring. Last time I drove by and Candlestick was torn down. It was so weird. Yes, yeah, he, he, uh, work ethic, unbelievable. The best hands. Uh, not, not a ton of argument there, but um, you know that uh, Tyreek Hill has, I believe it's one fewer 40-yard touchdown catch in his career than Jerry Rice. He's 26 years old. Yeah, no, I mean, you could use Tyreek. Uh, dude, you could go uh, Moss Tyreek Hill. How are you going to deal with that with Kittle and Gronk? And then, you know, or instead of Marshall Falk, I mean, I could, but you could build a team a different way, right? Like you could have, you, know, you have an elite offensive line, you put like Jim Brown and Earl Campbell back there, you know, yeah. or you get like some absolute like bulldozer of a fullback, one of those like Tony Richardson types, and then put like, uh, you know, Jim Brown behind him or, you know, Earl Campbell. And, you know, you have just a beast of an offensive line and Gronk and Kittle and you spend, you know, you spend your resources that way. And then you have a mobile QB, like, you know, you could have Russell Wilson, but you could also have like Lamar Jackson. I mean, I wouldn't put him on the team, but like, you realize like how, you know, the Ravens offense was unstoppable this year. It's like, imagine that offense. Like you just be like, how do you stop that? No matter who your defense is. Yeah. No, I like the double wide strategy for sure too, but uh, that's a fun exercise. Definitely. And then, so we do, you know, we do a hoops one. How has that been by the way? What's that? Um, sorry, being on XM without any sports to cover. Uh, well, that's what, you know, this is the kind of stuff we're coming up with. Right. You know, it's like clearly, this kind of clearly. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But has it been, has it been pretty tough or like so far it's been okay, but, but the, the ensuing weeks are going to be more difficult. Unfortunately. I don't know. We'll come up with stuff. I don't want to get too gimmicky because. Oh, you're all about the gimmick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think this kind of stuff is fun and I, I think about this kind of stuff anyway, so I like it, but you do. Yes. Driving from Phoenix and back, like I'd go through Bill James handbook and you know, you'd say like, I can name the top 10 finishers. Cy Young. I'll, yeah, I know you right. really are a historian. I like all this stuff. So I, you know, to me, it's just fun to talk about and as an excuse, you know, I'll talk about the markets a little bit. Some of the stuff we talk about on the podcast, there's some overlap. Sure. You know, I, I don't know. I actually don't know how it'll go. I don't know how long, you know, they'll keep it going either. You know, I don't know how long they might just say, look, it's just not worth, you know, the numbers are down or people aren't listening. Nobody's driving anywhere. So that's where most people listen. I don't know. You know, everybody's, everybody's like keeping up appearances until it stops. You know, everybody keeps it up to the very last second until it's over and nobody knows, you know, the plugs are being pulled everywhere. So who the hell knows, man? It's a crazy, crazy situation. Indeed. All right, man. I, I strongly recommend Tiger King on Netflix. Stream that. I believe seven episodes strong. Just an insane documentary. Uh, highly recommended. And your movie list. It's a movie that came out in 2003 called Kung Fu Hustle. Have you seen that? Oh, oh I, I, I've heard of it, but um, hold on. I don't think I saw that one. No. 
it is, is that it, like it's like exaggerated uh, yes it's like exaggerated fighting yes. yeah okay that's really funny but, yeah, but yeah. They, they did soccer one too is that, is that a shanghai i wonder if it's the same guys okay sorry okay. Continue. anyway it's called kung fu hustle uh it is kind of a comedy it's kind of a martial arts movie and it's just deep in a certain way even though it's a simplistic movie there's some like something deep about it actually and I just, I just, I saw it in the theater actually when it came out, and I just rewatched it on, I think Netflix, you know, a week ago or whatever. And it's just good. It's just a good. I was like, this is a good movie. So yeah, I'm impressed with myself. Um, Stephen Chow is his name, director, screenwriter, actor. Kung Fu Hustle 2004 and 2001 Shaolin Soccer, another yeah. uh, one that I like. Both those are good. Um, okay. The call list. Um, all right, man. Good stuff. And uh, this is a. Uh, yeah, everyone stay stay safe out there and stay inside as much as you can. All right, man, take it easy. Hopefully uh, you'll still be around next week and we'll do another pod.